<laughs> you gotta put the water bottle away. All right, hello everyone. Welcome to day 43 of OT with DA uh, and Gabriel Reed. GR. Oh yeah, uh, I'll introduce you to Gabriel in just a little bit. Sorry, we're just a couple minutes late. I was having a few little technical problems, but I think we're all sorted now. All right, welcome everybody. Great to see people signing on to Instagram Live. Uh, my name is David Asherick. I'm the DA part of OT with DA. The OT part, of course, is the Old Testament, which we are reading through, not all of it, but a lot of it. And our textbook is this amazing book, Patriarchs and Prophets, written by Ellen White, published in 1890. And this is my good friend, Gabriel Reed. And uh, I'll tell you a little bit about how it came to be that Gabriel's sitting next to me. But first, Gabriel, um, welcome to OT with DA. Thank you. Glad you're here. I'm glad to be here. Um, G Gabriel, who are you? And tell us a little bit about yourself. Where do you live? What do you do? Well, and, I was, and speak right here. Oh, yes. Into the basketball. Into the basketball. From Florida representing real estate investors and agents there and okay. recently married moved to okay uh, northern virginia near christian martin's church okay and attending there and yeah we should say christian who will be our guest tomorrow night yes. is uh, in the room with us say hi christian hey. <laughs> he's in the corner we stuck him in the corner because he was disobedient um okay so you're from florida yeah keep um, going uh, excited about the gospel, excited about Bible work. I took a couple years off of work to come out and do a rise with David. And yep. we got to be running buddies along with Pastor Christian Martin yep. and ran some epic half marathons and 10 milers and 5Ks. Still yep. my PR to this day. Yeah, is that true? It is. Yeah, I've Are never you... never beaten any of our times together. Really? We ran the 5Ks. Well, I've never beaten 10... those times either. <laughs> I guess we were good for one another. Yes. Oh, Just that's great. Each other on. Are you still running quite a bit? Not really. Only when somebody's chasing you. Yes. I run a few miles, maybe three, four. And you went to Arise, Gabriel, when? 2011. So so over 10 years ago. Yes. Wow. Time flies. I was just going to say, time. I, that's yeah. astonishing to think that it was that long ago. I can't believe it. Wow. Okay. And so, and you said you're married, newly married. How long ago did you get married? Just last 2020. I've been married a year and a half, August of 2020. Better late than never. <laughs> You should know that that for those of us that know and uh, have known Gabriel for a long time and loved him, uh, everybody I think around you, Gabriel, is saying, you need to get a wife. Yeah. You need to get a wife. You need to get a wife. And you've gotten a wife. Finally. Yes. Or did she get you? The Lord blessed us. <laughs> we got each other. What's her name? Astrid. Astrid. Oh, that's Astrid. Sounds like Shout Astrid. Out to Astrid. Bit. Is she watching? Yes, yeah, she's watching live. Hi, Astrid. I look forward Reese. to meeting you. And... Uh, you okay? And did you tell me, or maybe this is private? Did you tell me a little something, something about? Oh yeah, we're expecting a baby boy. Okay, next month, three oh, weeks wow. away. We're still thinking of a name, and we were thinking about first name, maybe Asher, maybe middle name Rick. Rick. Yeah, yeah, I love I it. I love it. I was telling somebody just yesterday that I missed a real chance to name my son Asher, one of them, and give them the middle name Rick, which is my dad's name, Richard. Mm -hmm. So my son's name would be Asherick Asherick. <laughs> Not bad, right? Well, Gabe, so glad that you are here, and um, tomorrow night you'll get to see Christian, who's in the room. Um, you've been, you, so you know how the OT with DA works. Yes. You know that we're, I hope you're ready for chapter 42. Oh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> I actually had a dream, true story. I had a dream that you showed up totally for the wrong chapter, and that you convinced me to do your chapter rather than the correct one. <laughs> no way. Yeah, yeah. I was like, okay, well, I guess we'll just do whatever chapter you want. I actually did on. start off on 43, and then... We got shifted. Kristen chose 43 and I took 42. 
So yeah, because tomorrow is the, uh, the death of Moses. Am yeah, I right? Yeah, yeah, I started off. I read that. I started studying it, highlight it, and then I did the old the Abraham thing, where you know, if you take the right out the left. <laughs> I said that to uh, I said that to Christian and and he took the uh, he took the Moses chapter so I had to well um, restudy. I just want to say that in this scenario, for numerous reasons, he is Lot and you are Abraham. Number one, you're older. Uh, number two, you deferred to him, and number three, he took the better lens. Because tomorrow's chapter, in my opinion, is one of the best chapters in the whole book. So. This is an opportunity for us to pray for Christian Martin, who is going the way of Lot, and we pray that he repents. Yeah, well, we'll have some good optimism in this chapter, too. No, no, prayers. listen, I, I did you enjoy this chapter? This was epic. I got some really good jewels. Out you got of some good stuff? Okay, great. All right, welcome, everybody. So glad you're here. Super great to have an old friend, Gabe Reed, with us. And I should tell you that um, the way this happened is that uh, I just get this call, or a text, I guess, from Christian. He said, Hey, uh, we're we're coming to Denver, and uh, we we're gonna be there. We'd love to, you know, maybe be on OT with DA if it works out. I thought you guys were coming to Denver for something else. I like had an appointment. No, no, no. We were trying to cook up a reason. Yeah, you to were. Tell you, but you we, came for this. That was the main reason. <laughs> I just love that. So, because I texted Christian and I was like, um, "Are you uh, coming for? Yeah, like, is it? What are you coming for? Is there a convention? Is there? Oh no." No, we're coming for this. I was like, oh, well, in that case, uh, I feel honored that people are traversing half the continent to sit in this seat. And you can see, I mean, like when I tell people there's not enough room for three people, there's not enough room. There's not. I mean, this is it. This is all the room we got. So um, welcome, Gabriel. Welcome, Christian. We're in chapter 42 of Patriarchs and Prophets, The Law Repeated. And uh, we'll open with prayer, and then we'll get right into this, and it's going to be great. Excellent. You mind opening with prayer? Okay. Sure. Go ahead. Father, we just thank you for the joy of fellowship and hanging out, and Amen. we pray that your spirit would inspire us to share the good news that you've given us through this studying this chapter and mm. share with others, Lord, that we can all learn together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Beautiful. Okay, so chapter 42, the law repeated, and I don't know if you know this or not, but that's actually more or less what the word Deuteronomy means, Hmm. right? Deuteronomy, the word means the second law or the law repeated, a little bit like the word deuce, right? That's two, and then you have nomos, which is law. You have the second law or the repetition of the law, and so our chapter today, the law repeated, is kind of really just saying Deuteronomy. And so, unsurprisingly, today's chapter is based on Deuteronomy 4, 5, 6, and then flash forward also to the beginning of what's called the Blessings and the Cursings, 28. Did you read all that? I love 28. It's amazing. favorite chapters. It's amazing. And uh, actually, in a few chapters, how far away is it? We have the Death of Moses. Uh, Let's see, uh, chapter 46. So just three chapters from now, we have the Blessings and the Cursings. And if I'm not mistaken... Uh, Elise will be with us for that chapter. So I'm excited about that. But we get a little bit of that today with Deuteronomy 28. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think what I, let me just open up my Bible here to Deuteronomy 4, 5, and 6. I read it again. So beautiful, eh? And the chapter actually opens with this like really sad scene right at the close of Deuteronomy 3. Um, and if you don't mind, Gabriel, I'll just put you right on the spot and have you read the first paragraph because there's just this scene where Moses is gazing out over the promised land. So if you just read that first paragraph, sure, and uh, it'll 
goes right into the last few verses of Deuteronomy 3. Mm-hmm. The Lord announced to Moses that the appointed time for the possession of Canaan was at hand. And as the aged prophet stood upon the heights overlooking the river Jordan and the promised land, he gazed with deep interest mm. upon the inheritance of his people. Would it be possible that the sentence pronounced him for for his pronounced against him for his sin at Kadesh be revoked? With deep earnestness he pleaded, O Lord, thou hast begun to show thy servant thy greatness and thy mighty hand. For what God is there in heaven, in earth, in, is there in heaven or in earth that can do according to thy works and according to thy might? I pray thee, let me go over and see the good hmm. land that is beyond the Jordan and that goodly mountain and Lebanon. You're a good reader. You have oh. a really nice reading voice, Gail. Oh, thank you. You're going to make, you'll, you'll have a great voice to read to your uh, son or daughter, or you don't know. Son. You said son. It is son. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's right, because we talked about Asherik. Don't know his name yet. Gotcha. Asherik. It's a great name. It is. Uh, you have a lovely reading voice. Thank you. Um, okay, so so the scene here is poignant. It's touching. You can see right here in the margin, I wrote scene. scene. And I often do that. I when, when a scene just really impresses me and I, I try to capture in my mind's eye, what would it have been like to have seen that? Mm. I just write that right in the margin. And so here's Moses and he's looking out over where the Israelites are going to go. They're right on the very threshold of the promised land. And he is so moved thinking about the the long journey of his life, the 40 years in Midian, the 40 years now with Israel, and he wants to go in. Can you imagine looking forward to something for 40 years? I mean, I look forward to something for a few weeks or a few months. Right. But 40 years? I know. I mean... And then to be told that you don't get to go in. In fact, he says, hey, God, please, like, any way you can change your mind, any way we can work around this, and uh, what does God say in the second paragraph? He says, enough of that. Enough. Enough of that. Speak no more to me of this matter. Go up to the top of Pisgah. Lift up your eyes toward the west, the north, the south, and the east. Behold it with your eyes, for you shall not cross over this Jordan. And it seems a little harsh. I mean, it, it seemed harsh to me. I was talking about no, I got my you. wife, and she was like, ooh, that's, that's kind of harsh. Yeah. It yeah. seems like it, but we're going to get the answer in the next In the next chapter. chapter. That's right. There's a, there's a, anyway, I've been tempted to say what I want to say several times, so I'm going to resist it here again. But there's two ways to read this enough of that. One could be like enough of that in kind of a stern, mean way. And then the other can be like, it's too hard even for God to bear, Mm. right? Like God is so emotionally invested. God is disappointed. And he says, you know, I just can't talk about this. That's a hint of one of my great points. Oh, is it? Okay. I can't wait. I'm so excited. Um, So then key phrase, next uh, paragraph, paragraph three, without a murmur. Moses submitted to the decree of God. And if you've been with us on this journey, you've become uh, very aware that murmur is one of the most important words, especially in the journey of the Israelites. How many of us can say that? You know, yeah, without murmur. something disappointment that we've been looking forward to for a few days, a few weeks, a few months, 40 years, and he's without a murmur. Yeah, yeah. Without a murmur. Remember the other one that really struck me about this was, remember when Nadab and Abihu were struck by the Lord and Aaron knew that it was just, he oh. did not murmur, and he was not permitted to grieve. Oh, that I mean, imagine that. so hard. I can't even imagine it. I will soon, but yeah. even just... Just to even think about it. So, so Moses asks, he's a little bit like Paul here, asking for, you know, take the thorn out of my flesh, and God's like, stop asking that question. No. But that's because God has something bigger in store, which we'll get to. Yes. But he says, enough of that. I don't want to talk about that anymore. 
Just go have a look. And then Moses, without a murmur, immediately turns from his own desires and his own you know, expectation looking forward. And it says, and now with and now his great anxiety, which I thought was a fascinating use of that word there, was for Israel. Anxiety for Israel. Yeah, he just turns, and you'll feel this, Gabriel. You'll just feel it in a way that you never have before, because you have felt it because you have a wife and you have friends. But as soon as you have children, you have this investment. They're, they're not separate human beings. They feel like they're a part of you. Mm-hmm. And Moses felt that way about Israel. These were his people. And he thought, okay, well, if I can't go in, no murmurs. God is good. I'm trusting my destiny to God. And then instantly, all he can think about is Israel. Mm-hmm. You got anything else on that first page, or is that you? I was just imagining like a whole family caravan, you know, maybe several families, all mm. friends, going to some epic place, maybe like Disney World or something. We drive yeah. all the way across country, you know, week, yeah. you know, spend some yep, time yep, together yep. camping out. We get to the entrance of the park, and everyone else gets to go in, but then. But then I have to stay out. Right. God says, no, you, you, you stay stay at the gate here. Everyone else is going yeah, in. Yeah, I got you. Just, I can't even. When you say you're a Floridian, so when you say Disney World, I have to be honest with you. I think to myself, if a whole large group of people was going to Disney World and I had to stay out, I would be praising God. <laughs> I'd be like, hallelujah, I'll be in the car for the next eight hours reading a book. Okay, yeah. So then it would be more like to, to a mountain range. Yeah, exactly. But I get your point. I take your point that, that it's a place that everybody wants to go. And then you alone are not allowed to go. But sort of coupled with that, with Moses here, is this deep concern. And then eventually the prophecy, this is not all going to go well, mm-hmm. right? And so Moses' mind immediately goes to a successor. And uh, then we spend quite a little bit of time on the next page. This is page 565, mm-hmm. 463 of the original, talking about the successor to Moses, none other than Joshua, the son of Nun. Mm-hmm. And Joshua has been with Moses from early on, all the way since back at Mount Sinai. Remember, they're coming down the mountain, and uh, Joshua says, oh, it's the sound of war. And then Moses says, no, that's not the sound of war. So this is the Joshua. And it, it occurred to me that one of the most important things in leadership, I read a book several years ago called The Emotionally Healthy Leader. Have you heard of these books? I have. Like The Emotionally Healthy Church or The Emotionally Healthy Leader, I think written by a guy named Peter Scazzaro. I might be saying his last name wrong. Anyway, it was a great book. And one of the things that he talks about in that book is the importance of a succession plan, mm-hmm. right? Like if you're pastoring a church or you're leading a company or something and you're aging and it's time to pass the baton or maybe just your chapter is closing and another chapter is opening. Mm-hmm. And a lot of sort of, you know, leaders and people that are charismatic and driven, they don't want to think about a successor because it's kind of like, well, I'm irreplaceable. There's a little bit of, you know, ego in there. And so he says that, no, 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 no. One of the most important things you can do is to pass the baton in a way that the whole company, the whole church understands, oh, there's a transfer here. Mm -hmm. Can you, have you ever had a situation, Gabriel, in your professional life or your church life where you've either been a successor or you've had to kind of appoint one? No, I can't say that. No, you can't. I, I actually had that situation in the last church that I pastored. So, you know, I had my blood, sweat, and tears in the Kingscliff Church for seven years And I knew about a year out or a year and a half out that we were probably coming to the end of our tenure there. And I started looking for someone that I thought could be an excellent replacement or a successor. And I'm happy to report that the uh, person that took over in my absence is doing an outstanding job and it's thrilling. 
But he actually came in before I left and pastored and is remained on there. So there was an overlap, right? And that's kind of what's happening here. There's like Moses, and then Moses doesn't die, and then there's like this sort of latent period, and then, oh, Joshua. No, it's Moses, overlap, Joshua. I think the closest thing I've come to that maybe mm. is Bible study contact, you know, that I've worked okay. with, okay. I've prayed with, I've prayed for, yep. and right before I came to Arise, I had a, yeah, a yeah. list of, of Bible study contacts that mm. I was invested in, that I'd yeah. poured my heart into, and, and it was only a period of maybe months, Yeah, but but I was anxious for who was going to take care of them, who was going to nurture them, Correct. because there wasn't any other Bible workers in the church where I was, and so I talked to the pastor, and he was kind of, you know, he, he was kind of doing me a favor. He said, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll look in after him. But I just, I thought, oh, man, mm. no one's really going to look after I feel him that. Like, like I like I had yeah. my heart into him. I don't have someone to take over for that. Yeah. So I, I kind of get a little bit of that flavor. Yeah, because that. especially, and I've, I've been in that situation many times, as an evangelist, as a Bible worker, and as a pastor. Mm -hmm. And it's not easy to transfer a relationship, right. right? Because that's really what you've developed in those situations is a relationship. Fortunately, right. here... Joshua has been an understudy, right, or a student or a pupil of Moses from very early on, and so the succession makes sense, yeah. right? It's a hand-in-glove right. fit, and um, it says then that this, you know, beautiful ceremony where the hands are laid upon Joshua, and it says Joshua was solemnly set apart as the leader of Israel. Eliezer, Aaron's son, plays a role in this transition, and then you get down to sort of toward the bottom of 565, 463, the paragraph begins before relinquishing. Do you got that? Yep. Uh, why don't you read that, uh, the, at least the first half of that paragraph for us, Gabe. Before relinquishing his position as the visible leader of Israel, Moses was directed to rehearse, rehearse to them the history of their deliverance from Egypt and their journeyings in the wilderness, and also to recapitulate the law spoken from Sinai. And if you don't mind, read the next sentence. When the law was given, but few of the present congregation were old enough to comprehend the awful solemnity of that occasion. Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've noted before that Ellen White loves the phrase awe-inspiring, and it occurred to me that uh, when I'd read Patriarchs and Prophets in the past, I didn't remember that phrase, awe-inspiring, awe-inspiring, and I was sure that this was basically an updated rendering of an archaic use of awful, and uh, that's what your translation says is awful there, but nowadays awful means like bad, right? Like, right. oh, that sounds awful. And so they've updated that to awe-inspiring. But here again, when Ellen White's talking about the Sinai experience, she taps into that idea of awe, mm. right? The magnitude and the, 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 the encounter that they had with the living God. And notice that, that here, Moses is being charged to do two things before the mantle is fully handed over to Joshua. Mm -hmm. What were the two things? rehearse. Very good. And recapitulate. Very good. So to rehearse the history, to remind, because remember, all of the people who refused to go into the wilderness from the age of 20 and up, they're dead now, mm -hmm. right? So this is the younger generation, and they would have been very young, some of them, but others of them have been born along the way. They don't know this history. I mean, they know it in terms of they've heard it from their parents, but it's very important to sort of pass the baton, not just in terms of the mantle of leadership, but to pass on the heritage and this is one of the most important things, and you'll learn this with your with your children. How many are you going to have, Gabriel? I don't know. As many as God gives you. Yeah. Okay, great. One of the things that you're definitely going to want to do with your children is to you're going to want to tell them your story and and your life, and you'll introduce them to your father. And mm -hmm. and like for example, several years ago, we put a, a camera 
on Violetta's parents. And for three days, we just videoed them and asked them all kinds of questions because they were, you know, from Romania, born and raised in Romania, lived in Romania for most of their lives, brought their family over when my wife was just six years old. And we wanted to have a record for our children, but also for our children's children of her parents telling their story and passing on, because that's a lot of what's going on here. It's the passing on. Hey, this is what happened. The children say, oh, that happened? So it's it's a reviewing of the history and then a rehearsal of the law, right? The Ten Commandment law. Yeah. Isn't that awesome? Spectacular. So then the very last sentence, the very last sentence of that paragraph says, uh, let me see, as soon as they were to pass over Jordan and take possession of the promised land, God would present before them the claims of his law and enjoin upon them obedience as a condition of prosperity. Mm-hmm. Now, my I'm going to have two main points today, and one of my main points is hinted at right here, mm-hmm. right? This idea that that prosperity or flourishing was on condition, condition of obedience, she says. Mm-hmm. And she's actually going to repeat that three, kind of three and a half times. She says it three times in this exact language, and then in another time she uses slightly altered language. But the idea here is that there are conditions for flourishing, mm-hmm. conditions for prosperity, and uh, this is something that needed to be communicated to the younger generation coming up. Excellent point. You got Excellent. anything else there on that page? I do. I picked something up out of these phrases here. Okay. It, it reminded me uh, of another phrase that we're probably all, many of us will be familiar with. Okay. Uh, Testimony to the, to the Church, Volume 9, page 10. Mm. We have nothing to fear for the future. Yes. Except as we forget the way the Lord has led us and his teaching in our past history. Beautiful. It just came to my mind. And then I thought, wait, what, why did that come to my mind? And it, I realized that's the principle on which this yes. is spoken. Mm. Specifically, they uh, were re- we they were rehearsing the past. Correct. So they yep. forget that's right. it. And then reminding them of the law, his teaching in the past, past history. history. Beautiful. And so that was, uh, you know, they're embarking, they're kind of at a transition. So there's, a, a you know, maybe a temptation to fear. They're getting a new leader. They yep. don't know what's ahead. And so this principle, which is a good principle for us to do as mm. well, is to, to remind ourselves of the past. Great point. And the part, you know, I've, I've heard the beginning of this phrase many times. We have nothing to fear except we remember the past. But the key point and his teaching yeah. in our past history, not just to his Ten Commandments, but his teaching to us personally. Beautiful. How he's led us individually. Yeah, no, that's great. And, and one of the things I really like about that is that right in the middle of that, that great little point you were making is you just slid in the word forget. Mm-hmm. And that's an important word. Moses is going to say that several times in Deuteronomy 4, 5, and 6, and in 28, that one of the dangers is that in not primarily adversity, but in your prosperity, when you come into this land and there's wells that you haven't dug and vineyards that you haven't planted and all of these beautiful, like we just saw in our last chapter when they were in the acacia groves and everything was great, it was easy to forget and so the idea here is that forgetfulness and neglectfulness are real dangers, especially when things are going great, mm-hmm. right? There's money in the bank and you're healthy and life is good and you're living in a beautiful place. And all of a sudden you can kind of start to feel a little bit of self-sufficiency, like a little bit, you know, Nebuchadnezzar, look at this great Babylon that I have built, where one of the things that Moses is driving, driving, driving at in this section of Deuteronomy 4, 5, and 6 is don't forget don't forget, don't forget, and don't let your children forget, and don't let your children's children forget. 
You were shepherds turned slaves. God brought you out by a mighty hand. He gave you his fiery law. Don't forget. Don't forget. And he's going to say, because if you forget, then there's a chain of consequences that flow from that forgetfulness. Sure. Yeah, you feel yes, me? Okay, absolutely. I'm turning the page. And, uh, oh, I really like this here on page 566, sort of the top, it's around 464. It was the paragraph that actually was on the earlier page. Um, paragraph begins, Moses stood before the people to repeat his last warnings. But I just like this last little line here. She describes Moses and the vigor of health that he had, even in his old age. Mm -hmm. His hair was white with age, but his form was erect, right? He wasn't all bowed over. His countenance was ex expressed the unabated vigor of health. Ooh, good language. And his eye was clear and undimmed. It was an important occasion, and with deep feeling, he portrayed the love and mercy of their, and I love this, their almighty protector. Hmm. Right? What, what great language. And notice that, that she hones in on, with love and mercy and deep feeling, he communicates, and then she starts quoting at length from Deuteronomy 4, 5, 6, even into 7. And we should view all of this. She's basically alerting us that the lens through which we should view this is God as the great protector, right? Like you're going to be with your son, and I am with my children, to protect, to hedge your family in. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's a big part of what's taking place here in this chapter, to protect them from not just the enemies, but from the things we were just talking about, mm -hmm. forgetfulness, from success from neglect mm. to protect them and insulate them from that. So I thought that was really beautiful. And then she quotes Deuteronomy 4, Deuteronomy 7 at length. And then this paragraph, and Gabe, if I get ahead of anything, you just pull me right back. Okay. The people of Israel, this is after the two lengthy quotations there of Deuteronomy 4 and Deuteronomy 7. The people of Israel had been ready to ascribe their troubles to Moses but now their suspicions that he was controlled by pride, ambition, or selfishness were removed, and they listened with confidence in his words. With all due respect, I couldn't believe this. In my margin, I wrote, now? Really now? Only now? Yeah. Only now they're like, you know what? This Moses seems like a good guy. It seems like he's not just self-interested. It seems like he's not just egotistical. It looks like he really does care about us. I mean, how did this man not pull his hair out and just absolutely... I mean, when God came to Moses and said, look, I'm going to blot these people out of existence and I'm going to start fresh with you, Moses resisted that temptation. I don't think I would have. I think I would have been like, yeah, you know what, God? I think you're onto something here. I think, I mean, really? Only now? Now they're like, you know what? This Moses guy, he's all right. He's like got one foot in the grave. He has literally asked that his name be blotted out of the book of life so that your knuckleheads could be saved. And only now they're like, you know what? He seems like he's all right, this Moses guy. I just couldn't believe it. I, I was like, ah, I was incredulous. <laughs> did you did that jump out to you or you didn't even notice it? I didn't even notice it, but, <laughs> but I do now. <laughs> oh, it drives me crazy. Now, and then we get to my favorite line in the whole thing. Oh, yeah. My very, is it yours? Do you know, know what I'm going? No. Okay. Same paragraph and friends to me. This is gold, and it's, it's diamonds, and it's gems, and it's one of the greatest lines in the whole of Patriarchs and Prophets for me, and it's my favorite line in this chapter. Okay, you ready? Mm -hmm. So I'm just jumping down there. Moses faithfully set before them their errors, same paragraph, yep. and the transgressions of their fathers. Mm -hmm. They had often felt impatient and rebellious because of their long wandering in the wilderness, but the Lord had not been chargeable with this delay in possessing Canaan, 
And then this line, this one, this, this one, line this right here. Yeah, this is it. Same he one. was more grieved than they. Exactly. I mean, it's we could like, just stop the whole thing right yeah, there. That's it. That's yeah, it. That, that, that was the pinnacle for me too. That was okay. Exactly. Amazing, we were on the exact same page. Amazing sentence. I just said stop in my in my paragraph. Whoa, stop. Exactly. I mean, just listen to that. He was more grieved than they. This reminds me of Isaiah 63, verse 9, which Ellen White has already quoted. In all of their afflictions, he was afflicted. In all of their trouble, he was troubled. In all of their sadness, he was sad. If Moses is sad that he doesn't get to go in, and the Israelites were sad that they didn't get to go right in, take all of that sadness, add it up together, multiply it by a million, and that's God's grief. He, I, I, this never even occurred to me before. I mean, okay, when you're in life, think about that. I mean, when you're, you're in life, I'm, I'm disappointed about things. And then I want to complain to God and say, look, I'm really disappointed, Lord. I, I really wanted this. Like, I'll take marriage. This is a good example. Okay, go. Okay, so what? I didn't get married till I was 46. Okay. So really, and you asked me this question in 2011. Why didn't you ever get married? And I, I thought about it. And I've thought about it years since then, but... Um, the real reason is just unbelief. I didn't believe mm. that God really wanted good things for me. Wow. And I thought his, his it, we'll get into this a little bit later, but that is his laws were withholding. That he's a withholder. Keeping of good something things, back. Of fun, like living life, going out, you know, dating girls. Like I thought he was withholding fun, but but not really. He wanted to bless me more than I wanted to be blessed. And as mm. I reflect back, Say I it think again. my previous thoughts were, Oh God, you didn't send. I always complain to God. It's oh, you didn't send me the right woman. Uh, you didn't send me a wife, Lord. What, you know where mm. I'm at. There isn't any anyone, and it was focused on others. It wasn't focused on, 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 on me, on fixing me to prepare to connect mm. with God. The problems with everybody else. Right. You're not the yeah, problem. Yeah. yeah. And so I just didn't have even the the thought that God wanted me to get married more than me didn't even occur to me. It wasn't even wasn't even on my and that he was more disappointed than I was. Yeah. That that I that I continued to withhold and continued to rebel, continued to follow my own paths. And that just blew me away. No, it's it's so it's so true. You said right in the middle of that, Gabriel, so beautifully that that God wants our happiness more than we want our own happiness. Mm-hmm. Right? And and so here when when they were grieved and they were disappointed, God's grief and disappointment was exponentially more than theirs, mm-hmm. right? Because he has all of their collective grief. He understands it, and he understands it exhaustively and perfectly. By the way, earlier, your, your wife, Astrid, said, my epic husband. <laughs> so it looks like God, even, even at the age of 45 or 46, whenever it was you got married, God has given you a great wife. Yes, he's redeeming the time. Amen, brother. <laughs> Good things come to those that wait. And I appreciate you being honest and open, Gabriel. I... I I'll be honest with you, back when I was spending a lot of time with Gabriel and we were training like crazy, running all the time and living together uh, near uh, Oregon or in Oregon near the Arise campus, I was like, this guy's funny, he's intelligent, he's a good businessman, um, he's active. He's, Why isn't this guy married? Mm-hmm. So I used to give him a hard time about it. Now I'm yeah. so happy that he's married. I, I'm, I can't wait to meet your wife. She's amazing, yeah? Amazing, yes. Yeah? You'll meet her soon. I can't wait to meet her. You should have brought her on this trip. I know, but she's like, oh, yeah, gotcha, gotcha. She swallowed a watermelon. (laughs) Okay. Friends, just feel this. Now, now watch, watch where this goes. Why was he more grieved than them, right? Not just because of his capacity, but what was the specific reason? And she tells us, we don't have to wonder. Mm -hmm. He was more grieved than they. Circle that, underline that, highlight that. But watch this. Because, but we don't have to wonder why. Why, why? 
because he could not bring them into immediate possession of the promised land. And thus, and the word thus there is the key, right? And thus, or in this way, display before what? All nations his mighty power in the deliverance of his people. Okay, don't miss this, don't miss this, don't miss this. This is a fulfillment of the Abrahamic promise. In you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And it was such a missed opportunity, and I know we've talked about this at length here, but Ellen White just puts her finger right on the most painful part of this, mm. that it wasn't just that the people were disappointed and it wasn't a delay without a consequence. There was a huge consequence. And the consequence was the glory of Yahweh, the power of Yahweh, the, the election of Israel by Yahweh, an opportunity, actually Ellen White called it a few chapters ago, the golden opportunity, she says, was missed. She literally calls it the golden opportunity. So we don't know what would have happened, what could have happened if Israel had had the faith, if they had believed the words of Joshua and Caleb and had gone marching into the Canaan land. But whatever that reality is, and by the way, philosophers call these things that could have been these potential realities that could have eventuated but did not, they're called counterfactuals. Things that could have happened but didn't happen. And here's an amazing thing about God's knowledge. Okay, follow this. God not only knows what has happened, history, he not only knows what is happening, the present, and he not only knows what will happen in terms of the actual things that will happen, God knows exhaustively everything that could have happened gives me a headache. Listen, and so he sees all of the potential. God mm -hmm. understands all of the counterfactuals, what could have happened if we hadn't become drug addicts, if we hadn't uh, hurt that person, if we hadn't been abused, if we had, God sees all of it. Mm. And here God sees what might have been. And the reason that he's so grieved is not just that his capacity for grief is so much greater than human grief, but, but, but because he sees, Gabe, the opportunity missed. I mean, we don't know what it is. Mm -hmm. But whatever was out there, if they had gone in then, it must have been so much better than this situation. And because she goes on, let me just keep reading here. With their distrust of God, with their pride and unbelief, they had not been prepared to enter Canaan. They would in no way represent that people whose God is Yahweh, for they did not bear his character of purity, goodness, and benevolence. Had their fathers yielded in faith to the direction of God, being governed by his judgments and walking in his ordinance, they would long before have been settled in Canaan, a prosperous, holy, happy people. By the way, notice, holy, happy in immediate juxtaposition, right? These are not two things, they're one thing. Prosperous, holy, happy people, their delay to enter the beautiful land dishonored God and detracted from his glory. What? In the sight of the surrounding nations. So don't miss what she's saying here. What she's saying is, I'll just give it to you in very simple language. An evangelistic opportunity was missed. Mm. A golden opportunity was missed where the nations could have become far more aware of this amazing people that are amazing because of their amazing God. And so already they're going into the promised land 40 years late, limping in. Moses isn't going with them. And so they're off to an, it's an ominous start. Mm. And the opportunity was missed and it grieved God far more deeply than it grieved Moses or any of the Israelites. Hmm. What do you think of that, Gabe? The idea that, that God sees the opportunities that we've missed. You quoted earlier from that great verse uh, in Joel, mm -hmm. right? That God is re restoring the years that the locusts have eaten. Yeah. Amen. God is the Redeemer. He can do that. But still, opportunities missed are just that. They're opportunities missed. Yeah. I mean, there's any thoughts? Well, I mean, I, I guess I can look back on my life. 
if I look back at my complaining and what God did not provide, I also, if I'm honest, look back and see what God could have provided. Okay. I mean, there were people that I could have married and had children younger mm-hmm. and, and had a completely different life and maybe missed out on years of suffering and loneliness and mm. heartbreaks and breakups and dates and breakups again. And so I, I could have. Um, think about and think about from business opportunities too, right? Like think about the opportunities that because you're a businessman and and you're very good in that realm. If you, you know, in hindsight, often we think if I would have known, I would have bought that property, uh, I would have sold that. And and in hindsight, we're able to see, oh, that was such a missed opportunity. Uh, but we don't know because we don't have the infinite omniscience, the, the foresight that God does. But God sees all of those missed opportunities. And they're not missed because they're unavailable. They're missed because of disobedience, forgetfulness, rebellion, neglect. And this just pains him. Mm. Yes, that's true. I mean, you know, I've I've thought this many times, Gabe. Imagine if for just one week you could know what the stock market was going to do or what an investment was going to do. In one week, you could make a few decisions to change the whole course of your life. Yeah, I mean, that, that would be totally incredible. It would be amazing. And the analog is that we have to trust that God sees our future. Mm-hmm. He sees our stock market. And if we will, and this is what the blessing and cursings is all about, is God saying on the condition of obedience to me, if you don't know the future, but you know me and I know the future, mm-hmm. right? Don't miss that. Don't miss that point. You don't know the future, but you know me and I know the future. Mm-hmm. So when we put our cause, when we put our lives, when we put our families, when we put our health, when we put our salvation in the hands of Yahweh, we don't have to worry about missed opportunities anymore because God is going to be looking out for us. Amen. Woo! Amen. Come on now. Amen. All right, you ready? Charge forward. Or any, yes. You got anything more there? I know I already said it so quickly, but don't miss the holy, happy people. You should definitely underline that. Holy, happy. For Ellen White, she just, she just runs those two words together. It's almost like a hyphenated word. Holy, happy. Holy, happy. Um, so then, uh, I just can't get over this idea that, that their unwillingness and their inability to go in on time detracted from Yahweh's glory, what mm-hmm. might have been. Oh, it's just so deeply painful. Um, okay, so then we have this section, uh, and stop me at any point, Gabe. We have this section where Moses basically says, um, this is kind of down toward the bottom of 567. On 465, it's a paragraph that begins, Moses called their attention Mm-hmm. You have that? Yes. Go down, Gabe, to just after the quote, today the challenge to Israel might be repeated. You have that? Yes. Okay, read that for us. Today the challenge to Israel might be repeated. The laws which God gave his ancient people were wiser, better, and more humane than those of the most civilized nations of the earth. And just keep rewriting to the end. The laws of other nation, nations bear marks of the infirmities and passions of the unrenewed heart. But God's law bears the stamp of the divine. Mm. Wow. Beautiful. It's really amazing, too, because the thing that God says to and through Moses is no other nation has these laws. Like these laws, in the words of Ellen White here, have the stamp of the divine. And she uses three words to describe them. Wiser, better, and more humane. Mm. Now, that's quite interesting because what's what's obviously the, the root or the etymology of the word humane? Human. Human. Now, just think about how cool that is. God's laws are human, mm-hmm. right? Like, they are designed for human flourishing. They are designed for human happiness, human holiness, human prosperity. God's laws, to go back to what you were saying earlier, Gabe, they're not designed to, to keep back from us. 
right? To remove happiness from us or prosperity from us. God is trying to get us in the current of his blessing. I just, that's a, such a great way to think about it, right? The, the current of God's blessings are like a river flowing, and he's trying to steer us into that current. Wow. And when he does this, we are benefited because these laws are wiser, they're better, and they're more human, right? God's desire for human beings is flourishing, happiness, holiness, prosperity, to be fruitful and multiply, for their influence to increase, for evangelistic opportunities with surrounding nations and surrounding peoples and that's that's what God is trying to do through Israel. And Moses sees a flash of it, but mm-hmm. then tragically in, in 28, uh, Deuteronomy 28, he sees that it will be short-lived. Their prosperity will be short-lived, and we'll get to that in just a little bit. Anything else there? No. You're okay, you're happy with that? Yeah. Um, I just love this idea that God's laws are human. Mm-hmm. What a cool way to think about it. Okay, I'm on the next page, 568. Um, the paragraph begins, The Lord has taken you and brought you out of the iron furnace, declared Moses, she's quoting here from Deuteronomy 4.20, to be his people and inheritance, the land which they were soon to enter and which was to be theirs on condition of obedience. Second time she said it. Mm -hmm. On the condition of obedience, and this is probably as good a time as any to say, to remind ourselves that the laws of Yahweh are not, they're human laws. They're laws that are in keeping with the way that the world works right? They're, they're not artificial. They're not contrived. God has made these laws built into the very nature of things, right? That in blessing, we are blessed. That in giving, we receive, right? This is true in the sort of ecological world. It's true biologically. It's true in every way. And so when God says your prosperity and your flourishing hinges on obedience, he's not saying like this. This is not what he's saying. If you do these unrelated, arbitrary things that I'm asking you to do, if you jump through these hoops, then over here, I'll give you a a puppy and a cake, and it's unrelated to the thing you're doing. No. What he's saying is is that this is how reality works. This This is how nature works, right? This is how covenant works, that when you bless, you're blessed. When you give, you receive right? He that waters will be watered himself, Proverbs eleven twenty five. 25. Mm-hmm. So what he's saying here is, is that when you're obeying, I don't have to come in behind you and artificially create a blessing. The blessing is in the obedience. Mm-hmm. And then the converse is also true. In disobedience, the, the curse is in the disobedience. The consequence is in the disobedience. Sin is its own punishment. Mm-hmm. And here's a really cool way to think about it, Gabe. The blessings and the cursings is very much like what God said. It's like an expanded version of what God said to Adam and Eve in the garden when he said what? In the day you eat of that tree, you will die. So you have the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God didn't say, in the day you eat of that tree, I'll kill you. Mm -hmm. He said, no, you'll die. What God is doing here in the blessing and cursings through Moses and the rehearsal of the law is to say, if you eat of the forbidden fruit, you die. Not that I'll kill you, which is a totally different thing. That's a threat. That you will die is a warning against the inbuilt obsolescence of sin. Mm. And man, we've got to remind ourselves of this again and again. If God doesn't want something for you, you don't want it for yourself. Why do you think there's such a disconnect there? Like we go. If you think about the commandments, like you think they're just really in in the eyes of many people, the restrictive, right? They're restrictive covenants, right? What you cannot do, mm. and if you're going to be a Christian, then you got to be a goody goody. You can't right? do this, you can't do that. 
Adventists are defined as Seventh-day Adventists. We don't do this. We don't eat that. We don't go to this place on Sabbath. It's a, it's a focus more on the restrictive. Why do you think that is? Well, I, I think there's a variety of reasons for it, but one of them is obviously that people have read this, this um, negative imperative, you will not or you shall not, mm. when the better way to read what's happening there is you no longer need to, mm. right? So you look at the first commandment, you no longer need to have other gods. You don't need, you saw how I overturned all those gods in Egypt. You don't need any more gods because they're not gods. They're mm. false gods. They're artificial gods. They're demons masquerading as gods. You no longer need any other gods. Well, isn't that, if you think about the ancient world, like you were living in a continual state of anxiety and fear, have I done enough to appease the gods? Uh, was the death of my child because I did something wrong? Is the lack of rain because I've not offered enough? There's like this low-grade anxiety because the gods of the ancient Near East were petty and they were capricious and you were always kind of on eggshells. Have I done enough? Have I offered enough? Mm -hmm. Right, so now God says, oh, we're done with all that. Right? With, with, with Abraham on top of Moriah. I don't, I don't require supreme sacrifice. I provide supreme sacrifice. So, so God's not saying, you don't get to have any other demon gods. What he's saying is, you don't have to worship those demon gods anymore. Mm. Do you see how that's liberating rather than restricting? Yes. And, yeah. and there is a restriction built in, let's be honest, in the same way that you've gotten married in the last year. Well, there's a restriction built into that. Mm -hmm. But how have you found that restriction, Gabriel? Have you found it to be primarily a restriction or actually a gateway to freedom? Yeah, and 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 new happiness that I didn't know existed until yes. I had that restriction. Correct. Yeah, yeah, because now are you how much time do you spend now thinking about dating? None. Yeah, yeah. Why are you thinking about dating? So you literally have freed your mind from the anxiety of, oh, am I going to meet the right person? Oh, maybe I've already... All that's gone. And there's a whole other, another level of security and relationship. Thank you. And, and, and just joy and com com just, uh, yeah, companionship yes. that's there. And it's just, it's on another level that wasn't, that I didn't even realize existed. You didn't even know until, it was yeah, there. The security of, so know. Gabe, if, if Astrid said to you, for example, let's just use the analogy here. If Astrid says, Gabriel, you don't need any other women. Would you say, would say, you'd say, hallelujah. I don't need any other women. Right? That's different than saying, you're not allowed to have any other women. No, that's not mm. what she would be saying. She'd be saying, look, I, I am woman enough for you. I am your second self. I'm your person. Mm -hmm. Right? And you're just mm -hmm. like, yes. So that's mm -hmm. what God's saying in the first commandment. When God yes. says, you don't, you don't have to bow down to idols. and You don't have to make idols or bow down to them anymore. That's not primarily a prohibition. It's a privilege. Oh, mm. wait a minute. Wait a minute. So now I don't have to use my hard-earned resources and money to build these ridiculous statues and idols. I don't have to spend time carving and hoping I've done it right, living again in that sort of anxiety about have I done enough mm -hmm. in that ancient Near Eastern world of polytheism trying to placate the gods. God mm -hmm. said, no, you don't have to do that anymore. That's freedom, not restriction. Amen. Yes. Right? And you just go down each one of the commands, what looks uh, on sort of first blush like a restriction is actually a gateway to freedom. And you know that because how do the commands begin? I am the Lord your God that brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Mm -hmm. Amen. You no longer need any other gods. You don't have to bow down to images anymore. You don't have to take my name in vain. And you can now remember my Sabbath, inbuilt to the nature of creation, both as creator in Exodus 20 and as redeemer in Deuteronomy 5. Reality is actually has in its very fabric the Sabbath built in to remember Yahweh. Amen. So I think that people just don't know how to read the Old Testament. I think that's what's going on. I think that's the answer to your question. Yeah. That's why they see restriction when what God is offering is freedom. 
well, how many times do we see the Ten Commandments begin with, I am the Lord your God? Right. You know, they normally begin with, thou shalt shall not. not. Yeah. yeah. You shall not. Right. Yeah. The, 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 the promise is, in fact, uh, Richard Davidson, I, I heard him say in a sermon years ago, he said that, that there's not really a negative imperative construction in the Hebrew. You shall not. It's more like, you don't need to. It's a promise. Mm. You don't have to live like that anymore. Mm. Bam. So beautiful. By the way, I don't know if you saw the session where I went down the law and talked about how the first commandment is we give God our affections. The second commandment is we give God our body because that's what we make and bow with. The third commandment is we give God our words. You won't take the name of God in vain. And the fourth commandment is we give God our time. So when you give somebody your affections, your body, your words, and your time, Mm. you're in love, man. Yeah. Wow. God, this is a marriage proposal. Yeah, I gotta go back and review that one. Yeah, that's a good one. Excellent. You should go back and watch the supplemental session with um Sylvia. It's called Exodus a Love Story. Oh yes, that's on my oh, list. Yeah, you're I gonna love already it. Have it downloaded. You're gonna love it. It's okay. so good. It is so good. Um okay, uh what else do you got there on page uh sort of five sixty-eight? Uh, I think it's four sixty-six of yours. You got anything there? No, we kind of covered Okay, you're happy with that? Yeah. One thing that does come up here is this idea of the forget, right? Beware lest you forget the Lord, take heed lest you forget the covenant of your God, mm-hmm. for the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. And we've talked about this idea that God occupies the husband role and Israel, the, the, the bride, the role of the bride, and that, that the idolatry and the forgetfulness was really adultery, like we talked about yesterday, dual harlotry, mm-hmm. which was quite a fascinating one. Um, okay, so then it says, after the public rehearsal of the law, Moses writes it all down, right? Writes it all down, and then they deposit this in the side of the ark, right? So this Deuteronomy, this book of the covenant, or this book of the law, was placed not in the ark, but there was a compartment on the side of the ark, and it was there. She says it was deposited in the side of the ark. Still, the great leader was filled with fear that his people would depart from God. And that sounds a lot like, remember that second paragraph there, he was filled with anxiety, Mm -hmm. right, about Israel. Here he's filled with fear, because God showed him in prophetic vision the consequences of what would happen should Israel forget and play the harlot. Uh, he showed them what would happen. And so there's this like low-grade anxiety that Moses has. Oh, man. Yeah. It's hard. Be, that's got to be hard. Um, so then we got that next paragraph that begins with if. Oh, I didn't what do you got? we were there. Can okay. we back up a little back bit? Back up. Go. Where are you at? Uh, to the paragraph before. Take heed. Yes, the paragraph that begins with, and it shall be, but toward the middle of the paragraph. Okay. Page 466 of the original. Okay. Take heed unto yourselves, lest you forget. The point on that was just about the prosperity. It was kind of a warning of prosperity in that mm-hmm. paragraph, that flavor. Yeah. And I was thinking to myself, like, we all like just in North American culture, we want to be rich. We want to be wealthy. Yeah. The gods of this are comfort, status, entertainment. Come on. Come How on. do you get those? You get those with money. So you can have comfort. Mm. So you can have buy the status. Yeah. So you yeah, can yeah. just sit back and be entertained. And so money is the vehicle. And so many of us unknowingly at various levels worship the God of money. And it has a different pull at different levels. But we all seek money. And here he's saying be it's a warning against mm. prosperity. And if we think about you know, many of the testimonies of people that have been under trial, been in jail, been persecuted, their best, most intimate time mm. is not in times of prosperity. And if I look back at my own life, and I'm honest, 
Like my most intimate time was in the hardest times of my life when I was down and out and I had no money and I was just surviving hands to fist and I was like just depressed and I was clinging on to God's promises mm. every day. And I was just, you know, memorizing his word just to be able to get out of bed. I mean, those were the times that we were really tight. Beautiful. And, and, and we want to get out of those times. But, but it just it shakes, shakes me up and to remember um, the James. Consider it pure joy when yes. you fall into trials. But we don't like trials. And we always want to get to prosperity. And we're all chasing prosperity. But this is just such a good reminder that prosperity really mm. isn't where it's at. Yeah, I like what you say there, Gabriel, that, you know, there was a period in your life, and, and I really appreciate your honesty and vulnerability here, that, you know, you had to memorize scripture just to rehearse it to yourself so that you'd have the strength to get out of bed and face the day. Oh, yeah. And those are the periods that were the periods of the greatest intimacy and connection mm -hmm. between you and God. And one of the concerns that Moses has here for his people is when you go into the land and there's all these vineyards that you didn't plant and wells that you didn't dig and houses that you didn't build. You're going to think, man, we're we're living the dream. Right. And then he says, be careful because you could forget. Mm. You could forget your God. Mm -hmm. And years ago, I read this uh, book by the Lebanese, pro uh, Lebanese poet Khalil Gibran uh, called The Prophet. And in this uh, book, he has this great line where he talks about how the waters of our happiness are only as deep as the well of our sorrow. Mm. Right, so we can only know it as good as we've known it bad. Wow. So if we've not been through the valley of the shadow of death, we won't appreciate the mountaintop. Right, yeah. a lot of us here, let's be honest, let's be real talk here. Many of us in the country in which we live, in the time in which we live, in the circumstances in which we live, not all, but many of us, suffering is so foreign to us, adversity is so foreign to us, that when we get the mildest little adversity, we feel like we're going to die. Right. Right? But the truth is, if we could embrace, uh, uh, this is going to be a hard story for you to hear, but I'm just going to real talk with you here. So I mentioned a couple days ago that I've, I've had in the last, um, in, a, in a short period, I had three friends die. A 53-year-old died in his sleep. One of my closest friends in the world just died in his sleep. Went to sleep. No, uh, you know, indications, no warning, nothing. Went to sleep. He was, he was a cyclist. He was fit. He was like one of us. Goes to sleep, doesn't wake up. And then I had a 46-year-old friend that got prostate cancer and metastasized, went into his bones, and he died terrible, left two young children. Mm -hmm. And then more recently, I lost one of my very favorite people in the whole world. Her name was Summer. And she died of cancer, breast cancer. She had a long, like a seven-year or eight-year battle with breast cancer. And uh, she was one of the most amazing people. She was a journalist. She was an amazing wife. She was a a mother of two children, Timothy and Jaden, and she was one of the best people I ever knew. She passed away just a few months ago. Mm. But when, when I would, I, and I had the privilege of being her pastor for years, when I would see Summer and we would get to talking about her disease, her diagnosis, her mother died of breast cancer when she was in her 40s. Her mother's mother died of breast cancer when she was in her 40s. So, oh, wow. so Summer knew that the writing was on the wall, and she did everything she could to fight this breast cancer, like everything that could be done. But you know what she used to say to me, Gabe? She would say, David, cancer is the best thing that ever happened to me. Oh, I man. kid you not. She would say it over. And in fact, she actually preached a sermon. You can go look at it on the, if you want to be encouraged, do you want to have a shot in the arm? Go watch the sermon that she preached at my church, the Kingscliff Church, titled, I can sir, so cancer, I can certainly do all things through Christ. 
And oh, I mean, she was one of the most amazing people I ever had the privilege to know. She died in her early 40s. And she would literally say to me, the best thing that ever happened to me was getting cancer because my dependence is on Jesus. My hope is in Jesus. My connection. Mm -hmm. She said, this world, what does this world have to offer me? Mm. Right? This world has nothing for me. I have my husband, I have my children, and God gave her those precious years with her children. Mm. And, and when she finally passed away, man, she was in the arms of Jesus. But I'll never forget, she used to say it repeatedly, and she was an intelligent, clear-thinking person. She would say, best thing that ever happened to me was cancer because it has driven me wow. into an intimacy and a connection with Jesus that you could never have when everything's going great and you're healthy and you're happy and every, you know what I'm saying? I mean, it's, imagine, how can you say that? But she said it. Go watch yeah. that sermon. You don't believe me? Go watch that sermon. You will be, I just wrote it down. You'll be overcome with joy and emotion. I can certainly do all things through Christ who gives me strength. It's on the Kingscliff YouTube channel. Um, okay, so Gabe, um, I'm kind of toward the end here. I've got a few more things that I could say, but I also want to get to the rubric. Yeah. So well, what do you got? No, I'm 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 to the end too. You're you're happy. Um, one thing that I do want to highlight here, just a couple quick things, is that Moses really makes the point again and again in Deuteronomy four, five, and six that there is the duty of parents to pass on to their children their own story, like I talked about with you know the way we've taught our children and the way that we've you know videoed Violetta's parents so that we can pass that on, and I'm going to video my parents so we can pass that on. Um, but just the idea that, that there is a responsibility. Today, I'll tell you something. I do this with my sons all the time. So today, my youngest son, Jabel, 19 years old. Have you seen him? Yeah. You saw him. Yeah. What do you think of that haircut? I didn't recognize him. <laughs> <laughs> so when my boys, when they're getting ready to go, very often, not every time, but quite often, I will say, hey, 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 don't walk out that door. Don't walk out that door until you come over here. And they know what to do. They come over, and I hold them. They're 20 and 19 now, but they they... they they're going to have this until the day they die, until the day I die, I should say. And what I do is I just take them in my arms and I hold them. I did this with Jabel just today. And I just pray over him. Mm. I just pray over him. I just want him to know that, that he, is, he is my son and he is the son of God and that I have hope for him and I believe in him. And I have, I mean, I, even if he's going out the door, like he went out the door today just to run an errand. I said, no, 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 come here. And I hold him and I pray over him. And we just have to speak the love of God and the truth of Scripture into, and the gospel, into our children. Mm -hmm. And they're going to pick it up, right? So much of childhood is caught, not taught. They're going to pick that up. Mm -hmm. And then by the grace of God, they'll teach it to their children and then their children's children. And I just love this emphasis in this chapter that we have a responsibility, a duty. And honestly, you'll find, Gabe, it's a privilege mm -hmm. to pour your experience with God into your children. And I can't wait, God willing, someday to pour that experience into my grandchildren. Amen. Amen. Amen and amen. Um, okay, by the way, there are quite a few things in Deuteronomy 28 to 30 that we didn't get into specifically, but we'll have a whole chapter in just like three or four chapters titled Blessings and Cursings, mm -hmm. and we'll get into more of the specifics of Deuteronomy 27, 28, or 28, 29, and 30. So prepare oh, yeah. yourself for that. But so we don't go too late, too long. Um, you know the drill here, Gabe. Yes. The rubric. Mm -hmm. And this is where we go through the point, then the person, then the prayer, then the practice. And it looks like you've got them already. Yep. So Gabriel, for you, what was the point of 
chapter 40, uh, 42. God's commands and obedience to those commands are good news. Because okay. I've just, I've just had, I've had the history of, of them not being good news, of them being like, thou shalt not, and mm. then being restrictive. Like an experience I had when I was a kid is Saturday morning Cartoon Express would come on <laughs> Saturday morning. And I would That's love funny that Saturday morning that. Saturday morning Cartoon Express comes on Saturday morning. <laughs> right before oh. church. <sighs> and it was on Sabbath, and I knew I shouldn't do it. And I kept saying, oh. Next week I'll do. It. I'll be obedient next week, <laughs> and then the next week it come on. Oh, I really want to watch that. I can't wait. And then I would fail again. And this went on week after week, month after month for years. So I just have this guilt trip of "Thou shalt not," and just the restriction of what I couldn't do. Right. Versus all the other things I could have been doing. Right. I, get I just you. didn't have that. And in fairness, I mean. Is this when you were in your 20s when you wanted to watch a cartoon experience? <laughs> I'm just kidding. This is when you were a child, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, like it's uh, a little, I, I mean. Five, six, seven. But I mean, they were formative years. Of course. No. Because I was cognizant, this is not the right thing to do. Right. I knew, my mom's told me, hey, don't watch cartoons. But I would sneak over to my dad's house Ooh. and spend the night at my dad's house because they were separated. Play the parents off of one another. Against yeah, one another. right. And then she would come pick me up for church, but I'd be watching Cartoon Express. And so, yeah, just it was it was traumatizing years after year because. Can I, can just, I ask you a personal question? Sure. Do you still watch uh, Saturday Morning Cartoon Express? <laughs> just not on Saturday. Yeah, but do you watch it on Saturday? No. So you got the victory over that sin. <laughs> That's true. Hallelujah! <laughs> You've been set free. Amen. So your point is, is that God's commands and obedience to those commands is good news. Good it's news. not restrictive. It's freedom. Yes. yes. Same page. Here's what I put to review Israel's history. And to repeat the law to this new generation and to speak of the nature of life, life, death, prosperity, law, and consequences, right? That these are not things that are artificial to the law. They're inbuilt to the nature of reality. They're inbuilt to the nature of God. God longs for us to be holy, happy, prosperous, influential people. I mean, God wants us to have an influence in the Amen. world. Yes. He wants us to have a financial influence. He wants us to have a platform. Whatever way that God has given you a platform or influence, he wants you to use that for making God famous. Amen. That's what Israel was supposed to be doing. They were supposed to make Yahweh famous among the nations. Mm -hmm. And so we should always see whatever skills, whatever talents, whatever we have as a platform, it's not to build up our kingdom. It's all going to, you know, this is the whole book of Ecclesiastes. Man, I had servants and I had this and I had that. And it was all for nothing. Mm -hmm. No, we want to be building up God's kingdom. Amen. Come on now. Okay, uh, what do we learn about the person in this chapter? God, this the theme of God blessing us more than we want, mm. just really overpowered. Like I just, it shaded, it, it it shed God in a in a new light that I just hadn't really hadn't really caught. That that concept is just epic to me to to see that God wants to bless yes. us more than we want the blessing ourselves. It just speaks to the generosity, yes. and the benevolence of God. And it just fills his character in a new way that I hadn't considered. And really, that's, that's it's so amazing. encouraging. Yeah, and the and then the 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 op, the other side of that is true too. That he, as she says, he was grieved more than they. Mm -hmm. Right. If it's true, think about this. What you're saying is so great, Gabe. If in all of our afflictions he is afflicted, and all of our sadness he is sad, and all of our trouble he is troubled, well, then in all of our joys he is joyful. Mm -hmm. Right. In in all of our happiness he is happy. Amen. I mean that's a and by the way, everybody with children knows this, right? When you see your children having an experience of joy and 
and delight and you know whatever it might be, you are at least as happy as they are. Beautiful. Wow. Here's what I wrote. The Almighty Protector, that's one of the titles that she uses for God in this, and I just love that. The Almighty Protector is a God of love and mercy. He longs for his people to prosper, grow, flourish, and to influence others. Amen. Right? For evangelistic purposes, to make Yahweh, to make Jesus famous in the earth. Mm -hmm. Amen and amen. How do we pray this chapter, Gabe? Help me, Lord, to believe your truths and not the lies from the enemy. Thank you. The truths about all the, the truths about you, the truths about your character, the yes. truths about your commandments that are yes. enablings and biddings, not restrictive. Mm, come on. Their freedom and uh, just I mean, to, to focus on them, to identify with yeah. them. The whole thing really starts when, when Eve believes the lie and then mm -hmm. Adam maybe doesn't believe it, but he goes along with the lie that God is fundamentally restrictive, that God is trying to keep something from you that it would be in your best interest to have. And all of the sin... And all of the guilt follows hard on the heels of believing a false picture of God. Mm -hmm. Oh, great point. Um, Father, I put, help me not to forget you. I mean, this is one of my great fears. I just mm -hmm. say, Lord, I don't want to forget you. It's one of the reasons I keep Sabbath. Mm -hmm. I know this might sound a little funny to some people, but I don't primarily keep Sabbath because it's a command. I keep Sabbath because it's a necessity for me. Mm. Right, I don't trust myself to keep Jesus in my mind with the frequency and the the intensity that I want him to be there if I don't have that weekly reminder. Mm. Right? And so, Father, help me not to forget you and then help me to teach my children and please, Father, may my children teach their children. Amen. Right? Should time last, may they teach their children the things that by your grace I've been able to teach them. Amen. I mean, one of my favorite things in life is when one of my sons will say to me, Dad, I heard the coolest sermon today, or Dad, I had the greatest spiritual conversation today, or Dad, I, I saw this amazing thing, or like one of my sons, uh, my oldest one will say, Dad, what's your favorite psalm? I mean, I just, nothing in on earth makes me happier than to have my children talking to me, mm. because I realize, yes, this is taken. They've, they've seen it. They've seen it in the love that Violetta and I have for Jesus, the love that we have for one another, the love that we have for them, it's, it's not artificial. And by the way, I'm not suggesting that if your children aren't like that, that you were bad parents or that you're somehow responsible. People are free agents. People are going to make their own decisions, right? I mean, a third of the angels rebelled against our Heavenly Father, and what did he do wrong? Hmm. Right? Nothing. So, so sometimes parents want to take, they want to take too much responsibility for the, the choice of their children to go a different way. No. There is no direct line that you can draw between. There are parents that have been poor parents, and yet their children are faithful and love Jesus. Mm -hmm. And then there are parents who have just done everything, quote unquote, right to the degree that a human being can, and their children say, no, I'm not interested. Mm -hmm. Right? We can stack the odds in our favor by loving them, by loving our spouse, and by loving God, but there are no guarantees. And anybody that gives you a seminar that says this is the way, that there is no guarantee because free will exists and human agents make their own choices. Mm -hmm. Amen. So Father, help me not to forget you and help my children to not forget you. How do we practice this chapter? That's a good one. I, I, I didn't get anything on the practice part. Oh I yeah. Know there's a ton of things. <laughs> I, don't know. I don't have one okay. distilled down. Here's what I put. Sure. I put, um, because she says this three times, to comply with the conditions. Oh, that's a good one. To comply with the conditions, to remember 
the nature of reality itself and to keep myself in the current of God's blessing, mm. right? Like God is, God wants to bless you, Gabriel. God wants to bless me and not just monetarily, financially. He wants to bless us in ways that are far more significant than that. It can be a, that can be a part of it, mm -hmm. but God wants to pour his spirit onto us and into us. He has this current of blessing that he longs to lavish upon us. Well, our job is to stay in that current. To align ourselves with it. Yeah, to comply with those conditions. And if you're wondering, what are the conditions? Go read Deuteronomy 27, 28, 29, and 30. Mm. Right? Mm. Th there yes, it is, Lord. right? And almost all of the cursings and the blessings start with if. Mm. If. Yep. If. And then over and over again, he says that it may be well with you. Mm -hmm. That it may be well with you. That it may be well with you. God's desire is that it may be well with you. Mm -hmm. So I want to comply with those conditions, right? If I buy a camera, right? I got a camera here. I bought the camera. Well, there's a wrong way to use that camera and there's a right way to use it. Well, how am I going to get an image out of it? How am I going to get the right exposure out of it? How am I going to get the right frame rate out of it? I'm going to comply with the conditions because the manufacturer built it in a certain way. And if I comply with the conditions, I'm going to get the desired effect. Mm -hmm. So too with us. Amen. If we comply with those conditions, God pours out his spirit. We find ourselves located in the stream of his blessing, and you can even have cancer and find yourself in the stream of God's blessing. Mm -hmm. You can be financially destitute and find yourself in the stream of God's blessing. It doesn't yeah. look the same for every person in every season of their life. And that's one of the things I really don't like about a lot of this prosperity preaching is that they make it out as if God's blessing always looks the same to every person in every situation and circumstance. I don't think so. Mm -hmm. no, no, God's blessing on Joseph didn't look like a blessing. Mm -mm. It didn't start off looking like a blessing, but it ended up as a blessing. Amen. Bam. Okay. What's God's promise to you in this chapter, Gabriel? That God has delivered us. Basically, the, on the beginning of the Ten Commandments, that I am the Lord God who set you free, set you free from slavery. And it's just something that I forget. Uh, and, and it's a promise that I need to remember that I want to focus on that he's already done it. He's already set us free. Yes. The choice is yes. just ours in here. If then, if then, it's just our choice. He wants, He's already blessed us. Jesus has already died. The work is already done. We don't have to do it by works. These are acts of history. And These are things that happen. It's just human tendency, though, is to be works-based. Mm. I want to work. I want it, which is a good thing. Sure. But then it can drift over into works-based, and I find myself, even for Sabbath, Mm. To find in to drift, I can drift over into oh yes, I did this. Went to church, paid tithe. Check, you know, check, 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 check. Didn't, didn't work on. Got Sabbath. her done. I didn't do any check any of my email this right. Sabbath, but but I didn't I didn't relish the time with God like yeah. you're talking about. I didn't yeah. cherish that, and so just to believe that He's already given the victory. It's interesting that you would say that because one of the things that that God says to Moses in the chapters here. Uh, Deuteronomy 4 to 6 and then 28. Let's see if I can find it here real quick. One of the things that he says is, is that you're going to go into the land and you can rest. You can rest in the land. And then he says on the other side of it, if you don't, then you will find no rest. Yeah, here it is. Uh, Deuteronomy 28, 65. And among those nations, this is if they don't comply with the conditions, if they don't place themselves in the current of God's grace and mercy. Among those nations... You will find no rest, nor shall the sole of your foot have a resting place. But there Yahweh will give you a trembling heart, failing eyes, and anguish of soul. So one of the great promises in Scripture is restfulness, mm. right? Like you think of the Sabbath is really 
capturing the idea that we are safe. You know, mm -hmm. you can only rest when you're safe, when you mm -hmm. feel secure, when you feel like, hey, you know, I I'm okay. Mm -hmm. Financially, I'm, I'm okay. And physically, I'm safe. Mm -hmm. And relationally, I'm safe. It's hard to rest if you're anxious and insecure. Mm -hmm. So rest requires preparation. It requires trust. It requires intentionality. And so when God gives this promise of rest, it's saying it's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. Right? So you think about the great promise there in Matthew chapter 11, where Jesus says, come to me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And so when you talk about, you know, the Sabbath, it's one thing to tick the boxes, but have we have we really rested in Jesus? Mm -hmm. Amen. And that's what I meant earlier when I said that for me, the Sabbath is far less about checking the command box. So I've got to keep the fourth command. And it's like, I don't trust what my spirituality and my connection to Yahweh and Jesus would be. Of course, they're one and the same, Yahweh and Jesus. If I wasn't weekly, consistently, intentionally resting, the Sabbath is an opportunity to rest in Jesus as creator and redeemer. Amen. So what I put here is, um, the promise for me is the first 14 verses of Deuteronomy 28. I won't read all of that, but it's the beginning of the blessings. Mm. I will read just verse 10, Deuteronomy 28, 10, of that whole 14 verse section. Then all the peoples of the earth shall see that you are called by the name of Yahweh. Mm. And, and that's what I really want. I want my sons, I want my neighbors, I want my friends, I want my associates to say, uh, yeah, David is a man that is called by the name of Jesus. He's Amen. a man that's called by the name of Yahweh. And um, that's what we should want yes. in all of our interactions, in our family, in our business. Um, okay, did you have a word, Gabe? Do. Okay, yes. don't say it yet. Well, so let's go to, the, let's go to uh, our, our live feed here from Instagram Live. And let's see what everybody else's word was. And if you see it on there... Uh, let us know what it is. They're normally on a little bit of delay. Okay. Okay, let's see here. Impressive is my word. I also, that's what I think of the two of you. Oh, well, that's uh, very kind of you to say. Impressive, remember. Hannah says condition. Mm. Rehearse, remember. Yeah, by the way, my word is condition as well. Oh. Yeah, that's my word. Remember. Jen says impress. Donna says forget. Allison says choose. Mm. Sylvia says, cling. Oh, I didn't. Okay, cling. I'm sure it was in there. Um, uh, impress, says Cassandra. Appeal. Reiner says, more. Forget me not. Oh, that's good. The flower. <laughs> Remember. Mindful. Have you seen your word yet? No. Oh, another cling. So it must have been in there and I just missed it. Shema. Yeah, that's very good because Deuteronomy 6, 4. Guardians. Oh, good job, Gabby Abby. They were guardians of the law. I got that. Oh, yeah. I like that. Yeah, if, because the whole thing is built yeah. on that if-then. Protector, yes, excellent, because of the almighty protector. Obedience, obedience, uh, choose, cling. Oh, a lot of clings. I must have totally missed that. I'm going to go back and read that and look for cling. Submit, protector, Jim says life. Brady says Condition was my first choice, but I changed it to remember. Remember's good. Yeah, for sure. I just was really moved by that whole, the condition of obedience, the condition of obedience. Mm. Um, you haven't seen your word yet, huh? No. What is it? Blessed. Blessed. Yes, blessed. Because I, I was just really blessed by this chapter, by the concepts. And the cursing and the blessings. Yeah, the cursing and the blessings. Oh, that's good. That's funny. I didn't see anybody else had that. What was your word? Christian, did you have a word or no? Uh, he didn't participate. He's too busy pastoring. Um, 
Samesy. Nobody else had blessed. That's interesting. Remember a lot of, oh, hey, there's your wife. Oh, remember. Remember. She's, she's asking you to remember her. <laughs> Cling to him for he is your life, says Sylvia. Yeah, I will say this. When you read Deuteronomy 4, 5, and 6, and then 28 to the end, just note how many times the word live or life is mentioned, mm. and then also perish or death. Right, right. Like it really is the opportunity to. Oh, one person had blessed. Oh, you saw it. Praise, faith, hope, love. Okay. I had blessed. Okay, good. One other person. All right, good. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Gabriel, thank you for coming. Thank you. Uh, tomorrow night we'll have uh, Pastor Christian Martin. That'll be chapter forty-three, the death of Moses. This is one of my favorite chapters in the whole of Patriarchs and Prophets. Mm. I love this chapter. I've read it before. And uh, prepare yourself for that. We'll be back same time, same place, different person. So tomorrow, tonight it was OT with DA and GR. Tomorrow it'll be OT with DA and CM. So God bless you all. We'll close with prayer. I think you opened. Yep. And then I'll close. Okay, let's pray together. Father in heaven, we want to thank you for this chapter and teach us how to find ourselves and how to place ourselves by faith in the current of your blessing. Father, you long to bless us, as Gabriel said, that you long to bless us more than we long to be blessed. Mm -hmm. And Father, when, when, when we make mistakes and when we fail and fall short, our grief doesn't even begin to compare to your incredible grief. Father, we cling to that great promise of Isaiah 63, verse 9. In all of our afflictions, you are afflicted. In our trouble, you are troubled. In our sadness, you are sad. But Father, the reverse of that is also true. In all of our happiness, you are happy. In all of our joy, you are joyful. And so, Father, we just ask that you would bless us, bless our families. We saw that in this chapter, there was that strong emphasis on teaching your children and then praying that our children would teach their children. And Father, we just pray that there would be an, an uninterrupted chain, a connection, that people would be bound to you, not out of obligation, but out of love and out of loyalty. We love you and thank you, Father. You're so good to us. Bring us back tomorrow, same time, same place is our prayer. In Jesus' name. Mm -hmm. Amen.